a short disclaimer at the beginning of this episode of Pop Culture Catechism. This episode, we will be talking a bit about sexual assault. And also, there's going to be some strong, probably PG-13 language. So if you have children, this is not the episode to listen to with them. With all that said, enjoy the show. They made a mess of everything. They filled the air with chemicals and radiation and poison, so God whipped up a special plague, the plague of infertility. As birth rates fell, they made things worse. Birth control pills, morning after pills, murdering babies, just so they could have their orgies, their tinder. They were dirty women. They were sluts. But you are special girls. Fertility is a gift directly from God. He left you intact for a biblical purpose. Like Bela served Rachel, your girls will serve the leaders of the faithful and their barren wives. You will bear children for them. You are so lucky, so privileged. Today, we are joined by Samantha Pavlock of Femme Catholic to talk about The Handmaid's Tale. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart. Let's get started. What is a woman's role? A woman's place? What are women's rights? What's a woman's calling? How do they compare to men? Are these nonsensical questions? What does it mean for women and men to be equal? When should a woman be obedient? And to whom should she be obedient? And whom shouldn't she be obedient to? All of these are questions which our world is grappling with and which are grappled with in the show, The Handmaid's Tale, which just started its fifth season. It's one of the biggest shows in the world, and we're going to talk about it today on Pop Culture Catechism. I am very happy to be joined by Samantha Pavlock of Femme Catholic, who's the founder, CEO, and editor-in-chief, and I think you're really going to want to stick around and see what she has to say. My name is Mike Tenney. I am a Catholic speaker and worship leader from Washington, D.C. I spent over a decade teaching in Catholic high school uh, theology classes and also also at night trying to make it big as a rock star. And now I'm blessed to speak to thousands of people each year at events all over the place and through this show, Pop Culture Catechism. This is Pop Culture Catechism, the gospel according to pop music and movies, where we take a look at the deep themes within the music and the movies and the shows that you're plugged into. So then when we unplug and we put down our phones and we put down our iPad and we go out in the world and have to actually talk to people, we are better aware of God's love in our lives and we better know how to live it and share God's compassion with those around us. So that's my goal for us by the end of this episode is that we're going to walk away with some actionable, tangible steps for how to love people better and how to know God's love better in our own lives. A special thank you to our patrons who make this show possible through their patronage at popculturecatechism.com. I want to welcome to the show, Sam Pavlock. Sam, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here. Yeah. Tell us about Femme Catholic. So Femme Catholic is a media company working to elevate the voices of women in the church and in the world. Uh, last year, we were honored to win the Our Sunday Visitor Innovation Challenge. And uh, we've been around for five or six years, but we started leaning in more strategically to our journalism the past year and released a report on maternity leave in the church or kind of the state of... <laughs> Maternity leave. Um, unsurprisingly, in the, in the United States, maternity leave is not great in the United States generally and in the church. Um, but we wanted to point this out to the church and are excited to say that many dioceses across the country have already started conversations and responding and even updating their maternity leave policies. Um, so that was very exciting. And now we are planning our second national conference in the fall. We will be in Nashville on October 29th. Uh, so people all across the country have already bought tickets. You can join us there if there's any tickets left. Yeah, that's awesome. I saw, I just the other day, I was on Instagram and some people that I follow, they were like posting their receipts like, I'm going to the Femme Catholic Conference in Nashville. And I was like, <laughs> hey, I'm about to talk to her. So that's really cool. And I, I remember when you guys started uh, that campaign about m maternity leave, um, because of course, the Catholic Church, it does lots of pro-life work. And one of the best ways yeah. to support women in crisis pregnancies or just any pregnancy is to have good maternity leave. And it was shocking to me to find out out that so many employees in the church don't have any maternity leave, even people working for dioceses, even people working in pro-life offices in dioceses and at churches yeah, yeah. don't have maternity leave. It's like, 
what the heck? So I, I love that you you guys are doing that, and it, it's actually like making a difference. And people are like, hey, what's up with this? And you know, maybe maybe it's something celibate bishops don't always think about. You know, not I'm not trying to hate on the bishops, but you know, who knows? Like that. Yeah, I think- no, it, it's something. I mean, I think even as a, a whole nation that we're still kind of adapting to and grappling with. Mm. And uh, it's exciting to see the church trying to lead the way and step up and, and live our values. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I became aware of you guys a few years ago. I, I came across an article. It was it was something like, um, you know, a, a, a chastity for the girl with the libido or something like that, or purity for a girl with the libido. <laughs> and it, you guys were writing different sorts of articles than I think often get written for uh, aimed at at young catholic women and it, it was is you know faithful to the church and like steeped in church teaching and in scripture and just like you, you could tell when you read something uh when somebody is a person of prayer who's really wrestled with stuff and that was the sense i got from so much of the stuff i read and then you and i got connected through our friend kimberly cook uh we were in the same group and i think i posted something or like hey this is good and then you you post someone's like hey this is good so we just kind of got connected became friends and so we've been chatting for a while and when handmaid's tale was coming out i, I sent you a message was like if you're if you're been into handmaid's we should talk about that and you were excited about it so anyway I'm, I'm happy to have you here i'm excited to to get into it yeah no it's a great i mean controversial controversial book great topic i could talk about this stuff all day <laughs> so much to talk about with awesome this. uh one thing before we get into the show itself i know that there are some people who even would would kind of balk or at the idea of a Catholic feminist. So even the idea of femme, femme Catholic seems kind of contradictory to them. And so um, I know we'll talk about this more in the episode, but I guess, I, could you tell us when you say you're a feminist, what do you mean? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so uh, I think in the secular world, sort of the general world, the word feminist means you believe men and women are equal, um, which the catechism states plainly uh, that men and women are created equally in God's image. It's, it's, men and women together that reflect God. You know, if we just had men that actually doesn't reflect God uh, is what Catholics believe, says the catechism. And uh, I find it really interesting that Pope John Paul II, who most people regard as one of the greatest saints that ever lived, Pope uh, as well, he used the word feminism wow. and actually called for women in particular to rise up in the name of what he called a new feminism. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that he used that word has always been very important to me and I think significant because he was a, a smart guy and I think he knew what he was doing. Um, so I guess uh, for people that look at that, um, there's also a document called Letter to Women mm-hmm. that he wrote in 1995 where he just goes through the fact that you know oppression has existed in the world uh, over throughout history and you know he apologizes for the part that the church has played in that which was very significant to me as well and he he and other popes actually so pope benedict who a lot of people regard as pretty conservative uh pope francis certainly even pope john the 23rd back in like the 50s have been commenting on women's equality uh and I think it's just time for Catholics to know what's been said. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and well, uh, you, I, I had read that letter to women from John Paul II a long time ago, but it had been a while. And when we were messaging back and forth, you brought it up, and I was like reading through parts of it again last night. I was like, oh my gosh, this is such good stuff. I mean, everything you read by John Paul II is good. So we're going to have definitely some quotes from that later on. Um, but before we get too into the themes of the show, um, let's talk about artistically. Um, what do we love about the show? And I, I think you've read the book too, right? Yeah, I read the book, uh, I think, back in high school, cool. which now feels a while. Yeah, so ago. tell us, well, what do you like about it? Um, so the thing that I like is just uh, the feminist in me really appreciates that she's trying to, in a very interesting and this dystopian way, bring forward the the really violence against women that has existed throughout throughout time. Because um, that is a difficult thing, I think, to bring up. Uh, and she's doing it in sort of a creative, sort of intense way. Um, but it's important. And I, I read somewhere that the author of the original book said that she would not include anything that hasn't happened at some point throughout history. Which I think, especially as you're watching the show, is just... It's something to sit with. Um, it's something to sit with that like... All of these horrifying things have actually happened to some woman who lived at some point or many women. Um, and I think globally around the world, if you step outside of the United States, especially in the Middle East, in other you know uh, countries where there is more oppression going on, there's a lot of really barbaric things happening to women. Yeah. Um, so I think that's it's just an interesting point to consider. Yeah. 
I, I think you're right. And I think a lot of times uh, kind of dystopian fantasies can be kind of warnings and traditionally they have been like even, um, you know, I'm thinking of the hunger games, thinking of Terminator, man in the high castle, um, the matrix, you know, uh, I would think of, uh, I was a big comic book fan, X-Men days of future past when they go into the future and the <laughs> mutants are all being exterminated. So it, it definitely reminds me of that. I kind of those alternate histories or alternate futures. I love those sorts of things. Um, so that's why it really grabbed me as well. And, the fact that so much of this stuff comes from historical things that have been done to women in various places throughout time in history, just like, Oh my gosh, that just like cuts me to the heart. Like what is wrong with people? How could, how could we do this? You know, it makes me, uh, makes you wonder about humanity sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting that everything's sort of connected, like Catholics believe in this consistent life ethic. And I find it so interesting that even in the handmaid's tale, there's this disdain for, uh, people with disabilities and elderly mm. and that they are also sent away and sort of like rounded up and murdered. Um, so I think that uh, like there are these consistent threads of when you respect human dignity or when you don't, mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't, it, it always starts with one group and then bleak sort of bleeds out to others. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. We did, we did two episodes on the consistent life ethic with uh, some, some people from Re rehumanized uh, international. Oh yeah. They're awesome. Yeah, so we did, we did, uh, we did a whole thing on protest songs and we looked at the consistent life ethic. So uh, if you're interested more in that listeners, go back and listen to those episodes from uh, July of this year. But uh, basically for the idea of the consistent life ethic, if you're not familiar with it, listeners is that, all human life is valuable. All human life deserves to be respected from the womb to the tomb is often how it's described. And that, so we're pro-life for the whole life, not just for unborn babies in the womb, but for the mothers, for those in poverty, uh, the, you know, against the death penalty, prisoners on death, death row, uh, euthanasia, um, you know, racism, all of those sorts of things. So uh, if you're interested in more of that, go listen to our consistent life ethic episodes. Something that uh, so I, I, I do really like all that about the show. Something that's a little jarring for me as a, a Christian and as a Catholic is, you know, you watch it and you kind of, I, I kind of get the sense, maybe this is me being too defensive, but I was like, this is Hollywood making fun of religious people and saying, this is how stupid religious people are. And this is what they want to do to women. And this is how they treat people. And this is really what they think of you. If you really got down to what they really think inside, this is what they, they think, ba you know, women are baby factories. And so sometimes it's, it's, it's hard for me to watch without feeling like I'm being castigated or made fun of, you know what I mean? <laughs> Did you ever yeah, feel that I way? I think, uh, I think so. It just my, I think it is probably a, a gift and a charism that I have in life is that 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 is where I love to live is is learning why people um, and asking those questions and understanding where they're coming from mm. because I think people are scared. I honestly think people are scared. Um, you know, you have especially with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, and even when Amy Coney Barrett was elected, yeah. just to, or not elected. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Appointed. I was yeah. an accounting major, guys. Forgive me. Um, <laughs> not into politics, but even when Amy Coney Barrett sort of uh, came onto the Supreme Court, people were protesting and, and walking around in Handmaid's Tale garb. Mm -hmm. So, so clearly, there's a connection in people's mind yeah. between religion and then what are they going to do to me as a woman or what is what type of world um and you may say okay do we really think handmaid's tale is going to happen overnight maybe not but i think then you look at uh like isis in the middle east or some of these middle eastern groups they are ripping women out of school mm. and doing who knows what to women and like torturing them for not wearing certain yeah. clothes like um so that stuff is happening in 2022 it's not actually that far away mm -hmm. um and so i think it's just really interesting to understand uh and and i think it's an opportunity and a really a challenge and a call for catholics to clarify and say hey no 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 that's not us in yeah. the same way that i think we want people when isis was really big we wanted people of islam in the united states to say oh that's that's not islam mm. and clarify that that was wrong yeah. i think in christianity there's a kind of a duty for catholics and christians to call out these instances and say no 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 that's not what we think about women we don't think this is okay um there's a netflix documentary out right now that it, it is pretty disturbing so i don't know if i can recommend it but <laughs> it uh, it's called keep sweet and obey about the mormon warren jeff's cult um and 
that was another example, I think, of Christianity getting very, very, very dark and twisted away from obviously what Jesus intended. Mm-hmm. Um, so this stuff, it, this stuff is out there, and it's I think it's good for Catholics to speak out against it. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Just at a church right nearby. Uh, so again, I live in Washington, DC. So this is like the epicenter of all of all that discussion. And r- right at a church nearby, my friend texted me from of just a few weeks ago was like, Oh, we had people dressed in handmaid's garb in the middle of like the Eucharistic wow. prayer, stand up and like start yelling. And, um, you know, the, the, the priest was just like, let's just keep praying guys. Let's just keep praying. And, um, I, I forget how it actually resolved, but yeah, that, that stuff is, is, is happening. I, 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 yeah. really- I mean, to me, that's just a cry for help that like, or, or a cry, you know, a cry for that's what they think. Like, yeah. that's what they think is going on. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like a, a an ev- evangelistic challenge mm-hmm. to us to say, no, 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 this is not what Catholics or Christians are about. All right. Well, let's get into that then, because that's what we're trying to do here. So let's get into some of the themes. And one of the things that I see so much in the show is that I, what I see is I think it's kind of a false dichotomy. On the one hand, there's, there's Gilead, which has this like total oppressive, violent patriarchy. Women aren't allowed to read. Uh, women aren't allowed to go to school. They're ritually raped, uh, you know, beaten, disfigured, eyes are plucked out and that sort of thing. And it's all steeped in this religious language of, you know, blessed be the fruit and blessed be this and blessed be that. And that, you know, the Washington monument is made into a cross and they're wearing these things that look like nuns habits. And then, um, on the other side, as, as the opposite to that, as the foil to that is kind of this libertine sexuality, you know, have sex with who you want. Um, the progressive sexual ethic, free love, uh, you know, pro-choice abortion. Uh, and I look at both of those as like, I, I think both of those are oppressive to women. You know, I think both of those yeah. don't, aren't good for men, aren't good for women, aren't good for humanity. You, you know, if you, if you want to look at, um, like ritualized rape in this country, look to the pornography industry. Like it's, it's happening yeah. in a very, very secular, free love, sexually expressive sort of, um, context. And so I see both of those as being terribly damaging to society and to and to people and especially women. And so I wonder if this Catholic feminism that you've been talking about, if it can kind of show us a third way. Yeah. Well, and I think that um, in the same way that in Gilead, I think there's, there's some recognition that it's wrong, but there's also a lot of almost internalized acceptance that this is how it is. Mm. Um, and I think that it's good for us in society today to sit with that and think about, you know, you mentioned pornography. A lot of people are not very concerned about pornography. Yeah. Uh, and I agree with you that I think it's a massive problem. I think if you, there's a great uh, organization, uh, I'm blanking on their name. To fight the new drug. Yes. Yeah, okay. Fight the new yeah. drug. I mean, look them up They're They're phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's so much compelling stuff out there about the the damage that pornography does and the way that it like sort of uses and abuses women. Um, but a lot of people are pretty fine with it. And I have a lot of friends who, you know, they, their attitude is like, this is just part of life. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think it's good for us. And that's maybe why in an artistic way, it's good to watch shows like the handmaid's tale and think about all these characters are just sitting there like, well, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, are we doing that yeah. today? And just mm-hmm. saying, well, this is what it is. Everybody watches porn. Everybody goes to strip clubs. Every- no, mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually heard there was somebody on uh, a barstool sports podcast recently. Women, women talking about this, which mm-hmm. I was upset about. They were saying that uh, if you don't let your boyfriend, husband, whatever guy go to a strip club, that's a you problem. You're being jealous. You're being, and I was like, no, nope. <laughs> nope. that is a, you are setting your foot down on, on the terms of human dignity in mm-hmm. women's dignity problem. Um, so that's, I think we just gotta, we can look at our own society and say, what are we tolerating? That's really not okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that helps us then call out that dichotomy of like, well, maybe these are both actually extreme versions of, bad things. Yeah. So I, I love what you said there about how we can get so accustomed to just the way things are that we just think they're normal. And yeah, you're talking about, 
strip clubs and, and, and pornography. And, uh, you know, it just kind of uh, pornography, even in, in Catholic circles among guys, it kind of feels like, you know, we're all in prison, but at least we're all here together is like, I'm addicted to porn. Oh yeah, I'm addicted yeah. to porn too. And like when, when you finally, I should say, when I finally broke free of that, like, oh my gosh, it's like, man, what was I doing in there? Like, you don't have to be in there. Like, yeah, there's yeah, definitely, but it's everywhere. Out. I mean, yeah, it, it's everywhere. kids get exposed at like seven. Oh, yeah. I think that's the, I mean, I have yeah. a son, he's five. Mm-hmm. He, he's like approaching the age. I mean, it's, it's, it's everywhere. And that's mm-hmm. where like, we're so steeped in it. Yeah. And, and other things too, like I think about, um, this is something I would often share with my students. We, we love to look very judgmentally at the past and think, how could they have let Jim Crow laws happen? How could they have let, you know, subjugation of women, they weren't allowed to vote. How could they have let that happen? How could people have sat by and let this happen? And I'd be like, well, who has a phone in their pocket? And everybody pulls out, and I say, pull, pull out your phone. They're all excited because they get to pull out their phone. And I say, you know, you know what the batteries are made of? They're, they're made of cobalt and all these rare earth minerals. You know where we get those from? They're from dug from all over places in the world. World. And, you know, I'd pull up pictures of like the cobalt mines mm. in the Congo and it's like four-year-olds digging with hammers, you know, through the heat yeah. of the day. And it's like, yeah, we, you know, our clothes, probably a lot of our clothes were made in sweatshops. You know, there are so many things like that. Like a lot of our, our food is farmed by, you know, unpaid migrant workers, you know, and that's a lot of injustice is going on in, in that community. And so there's so many things like that where we look to the past and we think, how could they have let that go on? But it's just, it, it's hard to see when it's the way that your society functions. And, and abortion is the same way. You get pregnant in high school. What do you do? You get it quote unquote taken care of. And that's just what's expected. And so there's all this pressure on people to live in these sorts of dehumanizing ways where we dehumanize each other and use each other. And it's so hard to break out of that. And I feel like that's that's part of what Jesus is calling us to is to to you know proclaim liberty to the captives. That's that's part of what the gospel is. The gospel is about forgiveness of sins and like where we go in the next life, but it's also about like, you know, some some amount of liberation in the here and now and working for justice here. And 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 you know, there's people suffering right here and now, and that's what the corporal works of mercy are about. So um yeah, sorry, I kind of went off on a tangent there. But. Yeah, no, no, no. It's well, it's so important, and I think that actually leads into. Um, I know you have this quote from Letter Women. Is it's really a short document mm-hmm. online? You can Google it. I highly recommend people Google it and read it. Uh, Letter Women by Pope John Paul II, and he he's making this appeal. He says. My word of thanks to women thus becomes a heartfelt appeal that everyone in a special way, states and international organizations or institutions should not should make every effort to ensure women regain full respect for their dignity and role. Here, I cannot fail to express my admiration for those women of goodwill who have devoted their lives to defending the dignity of womanhood by fighting for their basic social, economic and political rights, demonstrating courageous initiative at a time when they were considered extremely inappropriate, the sign of a lack of femininity a manifestation of exhibitionism and even a sin. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> I, I just, I read stuff like that and I'm, I just wonder how many Catholics realize mm-hmm. that one of the leaders of our church and the greatest saints to ever live said that and many yeah. other things like it. Yeah. And just a few minutes ago, I was talking smack about celibate bishops and how they don't have a good perspective. And there's <laughs> a celibate Pope with this beautiful yeah. understanding of the situation. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Totally. Well, and I think it just, we have to stand up and everybody, you know, everybody, we can't do all things, but I think where you're called yeah. in your community, in your place, in your time uh, to address these things. Mm-hmm. Like you said, Jesus came to shake things up and sort of invite us all into that. Uh, and there's plenty of injustice to go around for us to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think the going back to that dichotomy between a radical feminism and sort of just a patriarchy, um, I think there is this question around controlling women yes. and women's vulnerability. And I, I think um, something very interesting to me as I've, cause I've wrestled with this mm-hmm. my whole life growing up, I was, an independent woman <laughs> didn't need nobody to help me for anything. Right. Um, and as I got older and was reading St. Stein, was reading Pope John Paul II, I sort of came to terms with the fact that I was really uncomfortable with vulnerability mm. and that there is this vulnerability just in women's bodies. They're just, is a reality of that vulnerability, the capacity for pregnancy. Um, scholar, Harvard scholar Erica Bakioki calls it sexual asymmetry, that men and women are not the same. And 
what I see secular feminism doing that I was so attracted to is saying, well, no, 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 there's ways that you can sort of take back that control and, and have a certain level of control over that vulnerability. Um, and I think we just have to be, it's interesting to wrestle with that. We have to be careful about what does that mean? Does that mean having an abortion and, and that's our solution? Like, is that really, uh, I think rehumanizer new wave feminist has a great quote about our oppression will not be, uh, overthrown with like the blood of our children yeah, or something intense yeah, like yeah. that. Um, but it is, I mean, it's just this incredible vulnerability, I think, in that, you know, pregnancy in that scenario. And so how do we deal with that? Because I think radical feminism's solution is, or just secular feminism, their solution is to either deny that there's a vulnerability at all and say, no, 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 women are the same as men. It's fine. Um, gender is a construct and no, none of this exists. Or to say that... Um, women can just do it. Like it's a denial mm -hmm. of that vulnerability. And then I think extreme versions of patriarchy are looking at women and saying, all you are is sort of a womb or mm -hmm. <laughs> all you are is your birthing capacity. Yeah. And you're, um, you're to be protected and sheltered. And I mean, yeah. in some way I think, I think women do want to be protected and sheltered, but not, not in a way that denies their uh, autonomy and, and freedom and that sort of thing. You know? Yes. Well, and that's, and that's where I would point to a Catholic feminism. Like if you look at the Bible, God, in my opinion, is quite a feminist. He goes straight to Mary, yeah. right? The Holy spirit goes straight to Mary uh -huh. and says, a, I ask your consent for this. Mm -hmm. And I, I had a great theologian in college who explained, he was the head of the department, uh, the head of the department. And he said, you know, this would have been sort of like a divine rape if there was any coercion here. Mm -hmm. Like the, it wasn't like God coming down and saying, Mary, do you want this baby or otherwise you're going to go to hell? Like, yeah. no, no, no. She had a free, totally free choice. And, That's how we understand In it. the ancient world, there were tons of stories of divine rape, of Zeus coming down as a bull and like having his way with, you know, yeah. Woman, so that was you know? unprecedented. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's, I, so I think God from the beginning is so good about women's dignity uh, and so affirming about women, like the way he approaches women. Uh, and so freely given consent, Mary says yes. And, it's her word. It's her choice. It's her, you know, this doing God's will, um, but also her choice to move along with that will. Mm -hmm. um, that in my mind is how do we create a world in which women are respected with that utmost dignity um, and then also supported in those things. Uh, I, I just think in terms of, the patriarchy being handsmaid's tale and you have all these women who are basically being raped and then used for their bodies. Again, we have to look at modern society. Is that not happening in the porn in industry? Is that not slowly happening with surrogacy? I know a lot of people, surrogacy is becoming a lot more common and that makes people uncomfortable to talk about that. But yeah, there can be a I lot of economic coercion involved in that. Yes, yeah. and especially around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a lot of like legal issues that come up with... There's a, a lot of different stories that have popped up about a woman saying, yes, I'll be a surrogate, but then, oh, it's twins, or baby has Down syndrome, mm -hmm. or baby, whatever. The couple doesn't want the baby anymore. And mm -hmm. then she says, well, I don't want to abort the baby. I want the baby. And mm -hmm. it, it just gets very complicated. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, very complicated. And and I love all I love that you point to the blessed mother as an example of one, yes, like God does ask her consent and she said her her great in Latin it's fiat, it's her let it be and that let it be done to me according to your word. And but also so it's kind of like this model of like obedience and acceptance of God's will, but then in like the very next chapter, what do we get is Mary's Magnificat, which is the great song where she says um you know, uh, my soul magnifies the Lord, um, and he will cast down the mighty from their thrones and he is lifting up the lowly. Like it's kind of this punk rock revolutionary, like <laughs> F the man <laughs> song. And it's part of the morning. It's part of the liturgy, the hours of the church, like people that, uh, that pray the morning prayers of the, of the morning liturgy, like all the priests mm -hmm. and nuns around the world, like they pray that 
revolutionary Marian prayer every single morning that I haven't memorized. And it's all about casting down the mighty from their throats. And I'm like, taken over. Like God is causing a revolution. And if you look through uh, Jesus's genealogy in the beginning of uh, the gospel of Matthew, there's some, and Luke, there's some women in there that are not like women of good repute. Like there, there's some prostitutes, um, you know, and even through the old Testament, Naomi and Ruth, they're like crushing, crushing King's heads and like being kind of seductive. (laughs) Some wild women in the Bible. Yeah, some wild women. And even, even uh, saints throughout the church, like uh, Catherine of Siena, like basically saved the, the Roman Catholic church from another schism and like roped three different popes into line and got them to like come together and get along. Like there's, we have these badass women throughout the Bible and church history. And I think it's a misunderstanding of, of obedience. Um, I think this, this is a famous critique of Christianity by, by Frederick Nietzsche is that, uh, you know, Christianity is a weak religion and it makes weak people, you know, you're just supposed Mm -hmm. to submit and be humble and just be kind of like namby pamby. But I think that's a fundamental misunderstanding of what Christianity is, is yes, there's this fundamental radical obedience obedience and humility towards God. But Jesus was not like an obedient guy in a lot of ways. He broke all sorts yeah. of rules. And what, what does St. Paul and the uh, the other disciples say when they they get arrested by like the synagogue officials and the Roman officials time and time again? They're like, okay, that's nice you think that, but we're going to obey God rather than you. Like they are all about breaking the rules. They're all about <laughs> overthrowing stuff. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's, it's not with violence. You know, it's a different sort of of subterfuge. So, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's very spirit led. I think that's something mm-hmm. that I would love to see more of is talk about the Holy spirit is radical love action. It. Yes. Uh, but sometimes it's quiet. And mm-hmm. so that's where it's interesting because the world is expecting, I mean, look at Jesus, the world was expecting this big, powerful, loud King. Mm-hmm. And that's not what he was, but he was radical Absolutely. in a very particular way. Um, and I love that you bring up all the women throughout history in the Bible. And that was very healing for me because again, growing up in the United States in the in the Catholic Church, I had this impression of, you know, big bold women were sec- secular feminists and quiet, meek, mild, obedient girls were Marian. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I, I don't really fit that very well. <laughs> and so as I got older, but I loved my faith yeah. and I had, I had sort of this like intimate connection with God. And so I didn't know what to do with that. Um, and I, that's something we wrestle with a lot at Femme Catholic is just what does that look like? Because I think if you actually look at the legacy of women in our church, it doesn't always look like this meek, mild um, sort of uh, when you think of obedient, mm-hmm. obedient, submissive, uh, woman who's not standing up for that's a mischaracterization mm-hmm. of Mary and it's a mischaracterization of all these saints throughout in, throughout time um, and yeah I just think that that is that's mission critical to understanding like Catherine of Siena was she obedient to the popes calling them out and telling them guys you're doing this wrong yeah um, <laughs> But it's it's a very it's very spirit led. So I mm-hmm. think if we follow the Holy Spirit and even learning the characteristics of the Holy Spirit has been very helpful mm-hmm. uh, for me. So, so uh, the great American example of this, of course, is uh, of of kind of this rev- revolutionary but nonviolent way of enacting change is Martin Luther King Jr. and exactly what you said, Holy Spirit led, you know, people are always like, you need to keep religion out of politics. And I was like, Martin Luther King Jr. is a reminder to like, not keep your religion out of politics. Like if it's right religion, right. If you're actually, you know, a follower of the Prince of Peace, like you can be absolutely revolutionary. And in his letter from Birmingham jail, he quotes St. Augustine. Uh, I'll read it here. He says, conversely, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. I would agree with St. Augustine that an unjust law is no law at all. So there's places where it is a moral imperative to disobey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and Pope John Paul has somewhere, it might be in Letter to Women, mm-hmm. um, he says we need to kind of deal with the suppression against women and and address laws. Mm-hmm. He, he mentions laws. And so um, I, I wanted to say too, I think in America, it's really important to be conscious of how evangelical Christianity and Protestantism has influenced our thinking around the Bible and Mary and women. And, um, because I think we, we underestimate how much of our impression of even like that good submissive woman has been influenced actually by American Protestantism and Mm. not Catholicism. Um, so 
Yeah. So leave people with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in the, I guess in the Handmaid's Tale, this theme of obedience is really interesting because initially, the, or the the uh, obedience to society is obviously sort of cast as this like horrible, mm-hmm. oppressive thing, which it is. Uh, and so bucking the system, fighting the system, and rejecting that, rejecting obedience to the authority is characterized as the good thing. Yeah. Uh, and rejecting any controlling of women, I guess. And I, I just think that's an interesting theme to pull apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is really interesting. I want to move us a little bit into that. That, that was all great. I, I loved it, but I want to, there's a couple other things I want to hit on. And, um, something that is such a feature of this show, which is like so disturbing, but I think it's something that uh, especially we as Catholics in the 21st century and the, in, you know, the fallout of the sexual abuse scandal need to, to grapple with uh, is the idea of sexual consent and sexual abuse. So, uh, I mean, rape is all over the place in this show. And, yeah. uh, you know, like I said, we've had this scandal unfolding um, really in the early 2000s and then kind of here and there since then in the America and all over the, the world of places where uh, church leaders were involved in abuse, uh, complicit in covering up abuse, uh, not handling abuse very well. Uh, that's hit very, very hard here in the Archdiocese of Washington because we had Cardinal McCarrick as our, our cardinal for a while. So I think that's something that we really need to talk about because, you know, me, I've worked in youth ministry for my entire adult life. I've taught, I've given lots of chastity talks. I've given lots of, you know, theology, the body units that I've taught all that sort of thing. And in the secular world, the most important thing you can teach when you're talking about sex, uh, I guess they would say like protect yourself from like STDs and unwanted pregnancy and contraception, that sort of thing. But probably, probably even more in that than that, they would say the most important thing to teach is sexual consent and that you need to make sure you're not forcing or coercing anybody into it. And in the Catholic world, I feel like we've tended not to focus on that because our focus is on well, like it, it kind of seems like like you know don't 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 throw your brother off the roof like why would you even need to say that we're trying to save ourselves from marriage it seems like it's kind of so far gone so far down the line well of course you don't rape people of course you don't pressure people into sex like yeah. why would you even think of that but I think we've we've overlooked a lot and that has been really harmful for a lot of people to overlook that when we just, not that, you know, I I think we should be focusing on, you know, developing chastity, developing purity within ourselves, saving sex for marriage, theology of the body, all that stuff. I'm totally on board with it. But I think perhaps we have overlooked um, the importance of just making sure people of of guarding against sexual abuse. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, I think. Well, it, it kind of links back to the in the beginning we were talking about pornography. The majority of people these days are getting their sex ed from porn. Mm-hmm. But like, just just, and I think this is where, yes, we have a Catholic faith that is deeply important to us and and shapes our lives. But the church and the people in it are not immune from the world. We we like to think of ourselves as being in a Catholic bubble, but mm-hmm. we're we're really not in the sense that we all live in the world and we're affected by the world. And um, there's a lot of people in the church with sexual addiction, sexual sin, right? The church is a place for sinners. Um, but this is the reality of what people are dealing with and yeah. living with and and navigating. And Femme Catholic is very passionate about that, just a- acknowledging the reality of women's lives mm-hmm. and what that means. Um, and so I think... There is starting to be a larger conversation in the culture about consent. There's actually a book we read for a Femme Catholic book club uh, called Rethinking Sex. It's by a woman named Christine Emba, who is a uh, Washington Post writer. Mm-hmm. Um, but she she's sort of, from a secular perspective, although she was raised Catholic, analyzing the fact that consent really is the floor like consent is the baseline. It's a really that should low not bar. be the ceiling. Yeah, like, yeah, it's a really like, low. Bar. This was never meant to be the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is for a lot of people, just the ceiling. And and there is a lack of formation around. I think this comes back again to where feminists have failed a little bit to emphasize that men and women's bodies are different. Mm-hmm. And this is a whole other podcast. Mm-hmm. But men and women are are different. Our bodies are different, and we respond to sexuality differently. And there's just a lot that could be talked about in terms of, I, I have a 
a whole soapbox I could get on where I, I think sexuality just is very masculine in the way we approach mm. a lot of it. Yeah. Um, and so revisiting, like upholding the fact that like, how did God make women and what does that have to teach us about what this is supposed to look like? Um, is very important. Also at the first Femme Catholic Conference, Simca Fisher gave a really powerful talk on Mary and consent and the fact that you can't really consent to something that's not good for you. Mm. Um, And so I think a lot of people, we have this idea in the culture that, well, if I say it's okay, then it's fine. And it wasn't wrong. Yeah. And, or if they said it was okay, then then nothing was wrong that happened. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of pressure and uh, and influencing factors on all of us. And so, just again, what does it actually look like um, to have an alive and thriving sexuality versus that floor of, okay, great, you didn't assault somebody. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> people, not- <laughs> people just end up using, using each other. John Paul II says in the theology of the body, the opposite of love is, is not hate. It's to use someone to treat them as an object. And that's what a lot of people are quote unquote c- consenting to. But I, I agree. It's a, that's a really low bar. And I, I, I wouldn't in a Catholic sense, I wouldn't even call that consent. I would call that like permission maybe, but it's, yeah. it's not even something you're really consenting to. It's like when you get like a new update on your phone or something and you have to yeah. read the terms and conditions and it is like, yeah, whatever. And you click it. It's like, yes, you clicked it. No, you didn't read everything. No, you don't know really what you're getting yourself into. And that's why the church's understanding of consent is like so much more robust. And it's throughout the marriage liturgy. Like when, if you get next time you go to a Catholic wedding, pay attention to how many times the word consent is said. And that, that is like Mm -hmm. part of the sacrament, like the water at baptism, that is, that is consent to marriage. But the, the, you know, the oil on your head at confirmation, it's like the physical thing that actually makes the sacrament happen. The consent between the spouses that is spoken through the vows and then is acted out later on and in oh, the yeah, it's wedding like the bed. physical aspect yeah, like of that, that sacrament. Is, yeah. That is them giving their consent. The consent of the couple after they've gotten to know each other, they're joining their families, they're joining their lives, they're becoming like in some sense one in being, like that is a whole different level of consent than just like, you know, two people getting hot and heavy. Is this okay? <laughs> you know, or just she didn't say no when you grabbed her boobs or whatever. You know, like that that is yeah. That is not it, you know? Yeah, it seemed like she was into it. Yeah, it, yeah, it seemed I knew fine, she really so. wanted it. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I want to read this quote again from John Paul II's letter to women. He says, We look at one of the most sensitive aspects of the situation of women in the world, and how can we not mention the long and degrading history, albeit often an underground history, of violence against women in the area of sexuality? At the threshold of the, new, of the third millennium, we cannot remain indifferent and resigned before this phenomenon. The time has come to condemn vigorous, vigorously the types of sexual violence which frequently have women for their object and to pass laws which effectively defend them from such violence. Nor can we fail in the name of the respect due to the human person to condemn the widespread hedonistic and commercial culture which encourages the systemic exploitation of sexuality and corrupts even very young girls into letting their bodies be used for profit. Man. <laughs> it's powerful. So powerful. So powerful. Yeah. I just so appreciate his uh again, that's from Letter to Women. It's mm-hmm. in one that one short document how he just acknowledges so much of these realities of the experiences of women. Um and that we we have a call, especially as Catholics, to address these things and to mm-hmm. talk about them and um just stand up against the, like, this is an, uh, this is just a way that I think, again, our culture, we're in the middle of it. So it's hard to see like the ocean you're swimming in. Yeah. Um, but it is everywhere. And they, you know, they've done studies on, um, porn actually changing your brain and and there are i mean there's great examples out there and fight the new drug has a lot of that information but i think all of us have just gotten so desensitized to what's out there and the way we're treating people and the and the human body like there's no sacredness Mm -hmm. for the body and that's that's one concern i had about the handmaid's tales of show uh and admittedly why i haven't watched every all the episodes extensively because um it's a lot of trauma. Yeah. Like it's, it's, that's a, it's an intense, I mean, mm. deep trauma towards women. 
And if you've had any sort of itsy bitsy experience in real life, mm-hmm. like, like I think it can be very re-traumatizing yeah. um, to see this stuff and to think about that that's, that's happening to women. Um, and I think the reality of trauma and this bodily trauma just speaks to the sacredness of our bodies. Mm-hmm. The fact that God, like our bodies are not just a vessel. <laughs> They're not just a baby machine. They're not just, yeah. you know, they're so incredibly integrated in who you are as a person, mind, body, heart, soul. Um, and that's how God designed us. And so what does that mean in terms of how we are thinking about our bodies ourselves, but then also how we're interacting with our bodies? I've, I've talked to multiple women um, who have had traumatic experiences at the doctor's office mm. because it, it's gotten so mechanical in our society where, Oh, here's a body here. We're going to do this procedure. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's no sense of sacredness. And so I just think Catholics have such an opportunity to reclaim that and reemphasize that, that your body is a, is a, sacred space. Um, uh, and, and, and it's part of you. Like we believe that we, uh, yeah. we aren't just a soul with a body. We are a body and a soul. And that's why we believe in the resurrection of the body. And it was so important that Jesus's body came back and there was an empty tomb. Like we are yeah. a physical, it's not just physical. It's not just spiritual. We're, we're, we're a body soul composite together. Um, I love that. I was nearly uh, tearing up. <laughs> My listeners are used to me tearing up on this show, but uh, while I was reading that, cause it was just making me think of all the, the young women I've worked with through the years, you know, sitting in a counselor's office and with, them is they're they're talking about things that have mm-hmm. happened to them and things they've done or, or adult friends of mine or uh, you know people I'm really close to and I don't think I realized when I was younger just how many women have sexual violence in their past and um, and also like I, one of my best friends is in jail right now for for sexually abusing a minor and it was somebody like I trusted and like I said considered one of my best wow. friends I'm like that that just like wrecked me like how could how could this guy be one of those guys and then like knowing knowing the the people in my life that have been affected by this sort of violence. It's just, it, it makes it, makes it hard to trust people. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Well, and, it's a conversation we all need to have. I mean, in some ways that's a great example because for every, uh, and obviously men can, can experience assault too, but yeah. it, more commonly that what we're aware of is that it's women, um, who are survivors of assault and that it's perpetrated by men. And so all of those men have friends and all the, and you may, you may not realize that your friend has this sort of dark side, but there are, I just think about college campuses. Like there is so much that men can do to be aware um, and even help women find healing. Like there are so many ways that um, I know Chris Stefanik has been really open about that, that his Mm. wife had child sex, sexual abuse. Yeah. Um, and just the ways that's affected their marriage and stuff. And I, I think it's great that the Catholic church needs to talk about this because mm-hmm. it's the reality of people's lives. And um, this is why people are concerned about mm-hmm. things like Gilead. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah. He had a, um, I had Jake uh, Kim from the restore the glory podcast on to talk about yeah. Batman a few months back. And uh, his, his episode with the Stefanics about their marriage was just like, Oh my God. I sent it to like everybody I knew. It was, <laughs> it was like yeah. so good. So yeah, really, really good. Um, I want to talk a, a little bit more granular, granularly, if that's a word, uh, specifically about the <laughs> where what is, is that we have this theocracy of Gilead, and I think that's what people are scared of. So let's let's talk about what is the difference between uh, Catholicism and how it relates to uh, politics and the the government, because a lot of people I think are are fearing with the overturn of Roe v. Wade and. Um, you know, even the appointing of people like Amy, Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court, they think, oh, well, Catholics are trying, you know, there's all these Catholics on the Supreme Court and they're just trying to impose a religious theocracy where they make everybody be a Christian. And, uh, you know, this is, this is in violation of the Constitution and all that sort of thing. So I, I want to uh, break that down um, a little bit in a, a couple places. So the, the first thing I want to read is this is from another John Paul II document, Santissimus Annus, one of my, my favorite uh, encyclicals by him. And Basically, what he's talking about here is that Catholicism doesn't think we should legislate like this perfect society. It doesn't think we everything should be enforced uh, by mm. the law. Uh, here, this is chapter or paragraph twenty-five. 
When people think they possess the secret of a perfect social organization, which makes evil impossible, they also think that they can use any means, including violence and deceit, in order to bring that organization into being. Politics then becomes a secular religion, which operates under the illusion of creating paradise in this world. But no political society, which possesses its own autonomy and laws, can ever be confused with the kingdom of God. The gospel parable of the weeds among the wheat teaches that it is for God alone to separate the subjects of the kingdom of God from the subjects of the evil one, and that this judgment will take place at the end of time. By presuming to anticipate judgment here and now, man puts himself in the place of God and sets himself against the patience of God. And uh, that, wow. I just think that's, yeah, I've so never good. heard that quote. So good. Yeah. It's like, that's, we're not. I, that's a great example. I just want to share. This is the experience I had in college was, was my season where I had all these questions and I was like, this just doesn't feel right with like, this doesn't sit right with me and I'm Catholic and I, I have these questions and people are telling me this is Catholic stance. And I went digging for stuff like this. And, and I have been so encouraged that every time I have a question like this and I go digging and I really find what the popes have written or what like great saints have written it's it's clarifying. Yeah. And it's it's something I so if you have these kind of questions, I just want to encourage people to hold them and keep looking for answers like this because that was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Now now on the other side, that doesn't mean we just like stay out of politics. You know, we still need to be punk rock like Mary and you know, cast down the mighty from their thrones and enforce it. Like, you know, if uh you know, we we should have just laws and I think that there's a difference between what we call like uh in Catholicism, the divine law, which is like laws we get straight from God and then like the natural law, mm-hmm. which God allows us to know through reason. And like, you can look through every society in the history of the world and they're going to have laws that like regulate sex and regulate uh, violence and who you can kill and who you can hurt and who you can't and like property and all those sorts of things. And it's, it's a lot of the stuff in the, in the 10 commandments. And so those things that we can know by reason, you know, we, we we should have laws that keep you from from killing people and like i think the 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 declaration of independence if you read it it's very much based on this natural law of idea uh, or this natural law idea that um we have these rights. They don't, we don't have to get them from the government. Like we just have them because we're humans, right? So yeah. life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We have these natural rights that w- we just have. And so if anyone from womb to tomb is being denied that right, like that is the proper place of government to say, no, you can't kill that elderly person. You can't kill that disabled person. You can't kill that person of a different race. You can't, you know, rape that woman. You can't uh, abort that child. You can't, you know, all these offenses against human dignity, like that's not just a religious thing. Like that's something we can know through reason by looking through history and seeing the atrocities of the past. And every time we've said, well, those people, they're humans, but they're like not technically people or they're like not quite as human as we are. Like every time we do that, atrocities ensue. And so we can, with our reason, look at that and say, okay, no, this should be a law that we just don't kill human beings. We just don't do it. We don't kill innocent human beings. And and, and the feminist in me uh, would be remiss if I didn't, if I didn't just add the nuance of, I think that this is where the there's nothing like that. So I have three kids. Yeah. Um, and there is nothing like that intertwined body soul of a, a mother and child mm. in the womb. Yes. It is unlike, I know people try to make these analogies about like spaceships and astronauts, you know, <laughs> being tethered to a spaceship, but it's not the same. Yeah. It's not the same. Mm. Um, and I think there's like this radical interconnectedness this radical vulnerability mm-hmm. that women carry in our bodies um and i don't think as a society that we have dealt with that well so i mean mm-hmm. like i said femme catholic did this reporting on maternity leave trying to bring awareness to that um there's a lot of room for improvement around supporting women and families and children and uh i think it's just so important for us to look at why women feel like it's not a choice um, to have babies or like what that actually means for women. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't, I think we are failing to respect women's dignity and we're kind of saddling them with that vulnerability, which makes a lot of women angry. (laughs) And I think you see, you know, these angry, angry women, angry Mm -hmm. feminists. um, And I think they have a right to be angry because it's not just to just say, yeah, well, that's, you know, God made your body to deal with that. So good luck. <laughs> yeah. No, and, th- and thank you for that perspective. And this is why I, I knew I wasn't going to talk about the show unless I, I had uh, a woman 
as my co-host because I know as as a man, as much as I try to empathize and like put myself in from the perspective of a woman and look at these sorts of things, there's just an awareness that I don't have. Even though I'm a father, even though I've watched my kids be born, yeah. even though you know I, lo- I love my wife and my daughter. Um, so thank you, thank you for sharing that that perspective and what it makes me think of when you're talking about how women haven't been supported in these ways is what John Paul II calls the culture of death versus the culture of life. And yeah. when a girl gets pregnant in high school, even a Catholic high school. There is often pressure, a lot of pressure from her family, from her society. And I know some some Catholic high schools, not the one I worked at, mine was awesome. I, I definitely had some pregnant students in my time and they like, you know, gave birth while That's they were awesome. students to me. Uh, not like in the classroom, obviously, but um, <laughs> but there are some Catholic high schools like you get pregnant, you're, you're kicked out. It was like, are you serious? Like, yeah. and, and it makes me think of like some other situations of like when my grandmother, when she was starting to get like Alzheimer's dementia, I forget exactly what it was, but she was, she was starting to like forget who she was, forget what was happening. She was starting to, to lose her, her mental faculties towards the end. And she felt like such a burden to our family. And we're like, no, grandma, like we, we love you. You know, we love being with you. But, you know, think about if she lived in a country where euthanasia was the norm. Right, where when you get to a certain point in life and you start to lose your faculties and you become a financial burden on your family, it's just expected that that's what you do. Like it's expected that the pregnant teenager in high school gets an abortion, and that that's the culture of death. When it's it's not just a choice, it becomes a cultural obligation. There's all this pressure, and because there's all this pressure, maybe in that country they don't have homes for people with Alzheimer's. Like it's happening with people with Down syndrome. Like there's far less resources now for people with down syndrome because there's so many fewer downs babies because they've all been aborted and you know that you go to college there's not like daycare at most colleges there's not like housing for pregnant women at most colleges or like you can't get daycare at at your high school most high schools if you get pregnant so we don't have these supports for women and that that's the culture of death and we need to not just change the laws but build a robust culture of life yeah well i especially in america we have such that temptation uh, and emphasis on independence. Mm. And I think that women's bodies in a particular way reveal this interdependence that all of us, like, it, it, you know, it's theology of the body, yeah. the idea that God inscribed meaning into how he created us. And I, I that's the purpose of like this male, female, child trinity and, and yeah. the actual trinity is that we need each other and we need support and you're not meant to exist on your own. And and women are confronted with that in a very particular and vulnerable way. But it actually is sort of this like siren song to society to say, no, we're not meant to exist in these little peons. Um, And I find it really interesting. I mentioned earlier that Pope John Paul II calls for a new feminism. Mm. I find it even more interesting that he doesn't do that in Letter to Women. He doesn't do that in the encyclical he wrote on women called Mulieris Dignitatum. Uh, he does it in the long encyclical he wrote on the dignity of life. Mm. So the Evangelium Vitae. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like the pro-life document. Um, yeah. So he talks about abortion and euthanasia and this respect for life. And it's in that document that he says, women, you know, you have this vulnerability in your body and, and you've been entrusted with this kind of authority over new life in a very particular way. You need to rise up in the name of a new feminism, but also you need to reconcile people with life. That's that's what he says. And I have always interpreted that to mean these kinds of questions about, yeah, what does a high school student do when she gets pregnant in America mm. or a college student? Um, have we really set up a society for her to have choices and support? Or is she being penalized mm. for the way her body works? Yeah. Um, so there's just I think there's so much that we can do to lead the way in that effort, especially as Catholics, because the uh, secular answer is just very American in the sense that it's very individualistic. Mm-hmm. And I like to say, your body, your choice, your problem mm-hmm. is sort of the vibe that yeah. that America has. Your body, your choice, your problem, mm-hmm. um, and that I don't think is very feminist. Yeah, it it allows the the man to just be like, yeah, whatever you want to do, yeah, you know. But <laughs> yeah. well, and then you look at laws. I mean, this is where I love the nuance because men can walk away, but then you have people talking about now uh, with Roe v. Wade the fact that legally child support doesn't start until birth, mm. and if it really is a baby, shouldn't that child support start on day one of conception when mom is having to go to the doctor and go like, yeah. 
you know? And mm-hmm. I think a lot of Catholics are like, yeah, it should. Mm-hmm. But the yeah. more we talk about that, I think the more consistent we are. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. Awesome. So uh, before we uh, pull things together for uh, a closing here, I just want to say, you know, we've talked a lot about abortion. We've talked about sexual assault. We've talked about, um, you know, sexual promiscuity. We've talked a lot about a lot of uh, sensitive topics. And if you, you've listened to this show, um, I think listeners, you know my heart and you know where I'm coming from with this perspective. But in case this is your first time listening, just know that that I and the church and not necessarily every member of the church does this well, and that our Lord Jesus have like nothing but compassion for those who have been through traumatic things, for those who have had to make some really tough choices when they felt like maybe they didn't have another choice. Um, so if you are somebody who uh, abortion is part of your experience, and I know there are listeners of the show who there are because they've reached out to me. I know there are uh, people who are listeners of the show who have uh, been pretty promiscuous, who, people who are, are victims of sexual assault. Um, you know, and I and I, I've got my own story too. I've got my own sins. I've got my own baggage. I've I've got my own history too. Just know that none of this comes with any sort of judgment. There's like nothing but compassion in my heart, and especially not, not you know not just random podcast hosts' heart, but like the heart of Jesus. You know, and um, so if any of this has brought up shame in you, or brought up uh, pain or anything, I just uh, I apologize for that. Um, I think it's still good that we talk about these things, and I just encourage you to to bring it before our Lord in prayer and just throw yourself at His feet, bring it all to Him. Um, I think counseling and therapy is great too. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. I just want to say that and be absolutely one hundred percent clear about that. None of this is meant to like bring up anybody's stuff in front of them or uh, to send any sort of shame or judgment on anybody. So um, it's kind of a, a closing thought. Um, before we uh, pull this in, any, anything else that you feel like we, we need to say about Handmaid's Tale or any of these things, Sam? Uh, no, I think that was great. That Awesome. Just, Good. That, that's so, the thing too. I think that I think secular society doesn't offer that um, healing. Mm. So when I went looking for feminism, like feminism gave me a lot of empowerment. Um, mm. but where I, where I never was able to let go of my faith is because feminism was never able to give me peace and healing. Mm. And I think that's where we need both. Amen. Amen. I told my listeners at the beginning that we would give them some tangible, practical tips for how to know God's love and live the gospel. Uh, what's think about everything that we've just talked about. Is there one thing that stands out to you as a takeaway? And I, I'll do one too. I can go first if you want. Uh, you can go first. All right. So I think the one thing that really stood out to me is this idea that uh, this kind of balance between, yes, we need to be like obedient and humble to God, but that means we're going to have to be like revolutionary and punk rock and like kick some ass <laughs> in the world. You know what I mean? <laughs> like obedient to God and, and making that distinction with, with discernment and clarity and prayer and in consultation with other people we trust. I, I just think yeah. that is very not obedient not, to the Pharisees. Yeah. We, we can't be what you were talking about. We can't be content with the status quo, right. And be obedient to that. Cause that is not the gospel. That is the anti-gospel. That is not what Jesus was about. We need to let God like, show us a new way, right? The gospel is good news. It's supposed to be new. We're supposed to see things in a different way. So that's what I'm going to take forward from here is to, to try to see with the eyes of God and not with the eyes of man and the eyes of people, I should say. We're having an episode about feminism. I should use gender-inclusive language. <laughs> but that's what I'm going to take with me is to, to try to see with the eyes of God and not be afraid to break some eggs in obedience to God. So, Yeah. Uh, I think my takeaway, reiterating, is just that God cares about the experiences of women you know mm-hmm. you look at every single one of those experiences in the handmaid's tale and hor- as horrific as they were uh when they happened in history certainly god was there and mm-hmm. god is there and god can redeem all things and i mean that's the beauty of the cross is is this idea that jesus himself endured sort of extraordinary trauma and is with us in that and so i i, I think i want to encourage everyone to take these types of moments and even, you know, in your post row world conversations, what are women struggling with and how can we help? Cause I think a series like the handmaid's tale is really a cry for that to say, look at, look at what has happened and can happen to women and, and what mm-hmm. do we do? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. I often ask my guests to close this in prayer. Would you be willing to close this in a prayer reflecting on some of the things we've talked about? Sure. All right. Listeners, wherever you are, take a moment and let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, 
Thank you for this conversation today and for opening up spaces where we can talk about the ways that you uh, have loved women and show us, especially through Mary, how you want to love women and love the church. Um, Please bring healing to especially women and and men everywhere who have been assaulted, who have been um, experienced this kind of pain and violence uh, and are looking for answers to help Catholics today be part of the solution and to live out the fullness of what you want for equality between men and women, uh, for hope, for healing, for peace, uh, for new life in the world. Um, come Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Sam, so much. This was such a great conversation. If people want to know more about you and more about Femme Catholic, where can they go? So we are on Instagram, Twitter, uh, at Femme Catholic, Facebook, uh, a small TikTok. And we are also on FemCatholic.com. Again, we're having our conference, uh, second national conference in Nashville on October 29th. Um, But we have a lot more on FemCatholic.com as well. Nice. So if uh, what you have heard today, if this is like set your heart on fire and they're like, man, I need to hear more of this, uh, that conference would be a great place to start. I know they have, always have a lot of great speakers. So highly encourage you, especially if you're near Nashville, but even if you're not, it's worth worth the flight. So check it out. Um, I want to thank you, Sam, for uh, your deep dive into this and your perspective and just uh, all the work you're doing with Femme Catholic. I I really appreciate it. And I want to say thank you to all of you listeners. If you have enjoyed the show, if you think it's worthwhile, the best thing you can do to help us is to share it with somebody, share it on social media, take a screenshot, text it to a friend. That really helps our show grow. Our show has been growing a lot over the past few months, and it's because listeners are sharing it with people that they love and they, they think can benefit from it. So please, please do that. If you want to go the extra mile and really support the show, you can go to popculturecatechism.com and become a patron of the show. And with that, you get access to exclusive content, all the talks that I give in my speaking ministry. And also with each episode, you get some exclusive content. So for example, in just a few minutes, uh, Sam and I are going to talk for a little while about what do you do with your religion and your faith when they are horrific, when your religious leaders are doing awful things. So we're going to talk about that for a few minutes in the patron exclusive content, which is available through the Awaken Catholic app. The Awaken Catholic app is a free app for everyone. It's got a Catholic music library, a Catholic prayer library. It's got a great Catholic Christian community. We just did a revamp of it, so it's brand new sparkly and wonderful. Uh, It's a hub for all the shows. And then if you are also a patron, there's lots of exclusive stuff uh, from my show, but also during Lent and Advent and other times, there's lots of exclusive stuff on there as a patron. And you can choose one of six giving levels to become a patron, and there's perks that go along with each one of those. I want to especially thank all my patrons, but especially Carl and Melissa Gore, Steve and Maggie Hubbard, uh, Lisa and Bob Tenney, Tom and Emily can bury it. Camberiati and Darlene and Jay McCaffrey for being patrons. And thank you to all of you. You can let us know in comments on, on YouTube or Facebook what you thought about this, and we'd love to hear from you. God bless you. We love you.